been a minute. Um, it's been a minute since uh, we've been able to kind of rap just us without the other uh, the other guys. And it's really important to me for you guys to know how important you guys are to me because the success of Smartless has all just been because of you, the listener. So I'm always just looking to put you guys first. Oh, my God. I really got to take this, you guys. Hello? Uh, I have not renewed my warranty. Why? Welcome to Smartless. Smart. The only time this guy's on first yeah. is when it's his guest. Otherwise, yeah, you're, you're late, you're chewing. I did a lot of chewing before I just finished. Do you lunch. have respect for this guest? I do have respect for this guest, yeah, a lot. On really? A lot of levels. Yes, on a lot of levels. Well, we'll see. Yes, hi. Sean, Sean clearly does not have respect for this guest. Hi, Sean. Hi, Will. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Are you having some sugar and milk? I am, actually. <laughs> what are you having with it? Just tea? a little bit of drop of tea. <laughs> oh. I sent Jason this um, thing. By the way, you haven't had your uh, your father-in-law, uh, Paul Anka, on the show yet. It's embarrassing. Well, yeah. I was thinking about that. I was at dinner with him last night, and then I thought um, maybe one of you guys. I, I feel like uh, Michael Grant Terry, our incredible producer, is working on that um, and that it's a scheduling thing. I feel yeah. like we have officially gone out to him. Yeah, we yeah, have. Yeah, I feel like it's so good. Watch him wriggle. It's amazing. <laughs> I feel like we've gone out to him when you had dinner with him last night. I know. Yeah. You, you could have just said, hey, I, I feel like it's a schedule. He was very excited to hear that you're a Canadian. I'm surprised he didn't know that already. But uh, Yeah, me, me neither. I sent I sent you and your wife a nice email about him and about the inspiration for his song, Diana, which was a huge hit, which he wrote when he was like 16. 16. Was this yep. the guest today? Or? No, no, it was Paul Anka. Easy, Paul went down to New York and recorded this all these tunes, these huge hits. You know, he wrote My Way amongst right, other great right. things. And that song, Diana, he was 16 years old. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And he wrote about this woman who she just recently passed away and she claimed that it, like, it uh, it, fought, it dogged her for her whole life. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool to have Paul Anka write a song. It is. You, you know what I was doing when I was 16 years old? I was going to ask get you through it. Oh, sorry, Sean, do you want to get through this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Sean. I was, uh, I was shoplifting my... Skittles. No, I did, I did shoplift something when I was... I took I stole a turkey sandwich when I was in college and got arrested for it. Jesus. But anyway, no uh, way. In, when I was 16, I was in my room and I listened to Wham and I listened to like Wham rap and I would try I memorized all the lyrics. Shocker. I mean and, I mean Sean, I'm, and I'm in is... my room like acting like I'm in Wham and I learned all the words and my mom completely walked in on me and caught me you know and then you cover like oh no I was just cleaning my room like right. it was so embarrassing. Huh. And she saw you cuz she was she came in on the right side. <laughs> Did she had her head tilt, turned to the, the right. To the right. The right just yeah. could, the door cracked open. Just one eye looked at. <laughs> and you were doing wham because you hadn't learned Frankie goes to Hollywood lyrics yet, or what's going on? <laughs> you just wanted to go through all the different. <laughs> um, George, George Michael, and Andrew Ridgely. Ridgefield, Rid 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 Ridgely, Ridgely, Ridgely. Yeah, Ridgely. It was kind of like it was kind of look like how mad Sean get when he said Ridgely. <laughs> God, I hope that's a surprise guest today. <laughs> Andrew Ridgely. Guys, not. have Andrew Ridgely on. Jason <sighs> wanted me to tell you about my nerve thing, but maybe I'll do that in the next show. I wanted to tell you. wanted to tell me what? You wanted me to tell Will about my neck procedure. I did? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I definitely want to hear about that. Let me carve out some time <laughs> so I can hear about your neck issues. Yeah. Speaking Wait, of time, did I say that at the party the other night? No, you said it. That like you should two weeks ago. Speaking of oh. time, we don't have a ton of time because we've okay, all yeah, already we're, started. I was late. late. Sorry. And uh, Jason was right. I was a little. I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm very excited about our guest. You know, as you think about an intro and how you introduce somebody, you think about what they've done. And I, I thought about this for a long time and where you start because. You know, we often have guests on who wear a lot of different hats, um, and but they start somewhere, but then they do other things, and they're sometimes it's a hobby, but sometimes it's you know something that they might be good at. Our guest today is someone who has started um, almost in concert their art, and their their art was informed by what they saw uh, in the world around them, and it drove their art to incredible heights. But in that time, there was always this message about what was going on in the world around him. Hmm. And um, he, along with his three bandmates, uh, created a band together when they were very young that was, uh, again, just always a reflection of, of what they saw and what they felt in the world. And then they didn't just do that and, and, and just let it be part of their art. It's almost like I'm getting nervous they went, their, activism, their activism became part of their is, and art. I'm starting to sweat. And they didn't just lend their name or write a check and wave and and say, I gave. They went and got in the trenches. This person has been around the world, um, whether it's fighting poverty uh, and fighting hunger. Uh, this person, I think maybe no single soul human has ever done more to raise awareness and and money and, and serve as an agency for change uh, in the fight against AIDS. Um, and all of that sort of, in a lot of ways, kind of, um, it almost overwhelms what a great artist he is. This person is, it's so hard. I can't even, I'm just, I'm just bubbling to get it out because he'll tell you everything. He's got a new book out that just came out called Surrender. Guys, it's Bono. Oh, yeah. my. It's Elton John, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Geldof. <laughs> you know, Sean Penn. <laughs> Julie Roberts. Wow. All uh, Bono, oh, my God. This what is an amazing. honor to have you join us. My goodness. I have been such a huge fan of yours for so, so long. This is crazy. So long. Do you know, just like three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I had dinner with, and forgive me, I don't know if I say the edge or just edge. The will do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's just the. Just the. Uh-huh. And he was... I was picking his brain. I can't believe I'm, by the way, it's such an honor to meet you. I'm a huge fan. I mean, uh, Joshua Tree was like a huge part of my life in high school. It was just massive. And anyway, I was talking to The about that and um, at dinner, and he was singing your praises as, of course, you would expect, but he was explaining how the how different you both are, and that's what makes part of the whole band work is that, you're, you know, he doesn't like the spotlight. He likes to be in the back. He likes to play. Like, he almost doesn't like to be even seen. And uh, I, I thought that was fascinating. And he also said wow. that, what? Yeah. Sorry, he's, I'm he's, almost he's, done. Yeah, this no, is one of those moments I wish Sean was at a loss for words, but he's not. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> he also said, I said, Joshua Tree was such a huge part of my life in high school. Tell me about how that happened. And he said, you know, during the, the time of Madonna and Michael Jackson and George Michael and all these kind of amazing people in their own right, you guys came along with this kind of out of left field, this band that was just the timing was perfect for you guys. And that's also what 
helped make that album so huge. It was, it was just another, the, the option that wasn't out there. Huh, at the end of all that, not even a question mark. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what you're saying, Sean, and by the way, there's an altar for you in Dingle in uh, Southern my Ireland, just from. so you know. Yeah, yeah, there's an altar there. Um, uh, yeah, we brought a bit of black and white to these very, they, these people were very colorful and very vivid. And we arrived in Anton Corbin photography, very, very <laughs> black and white. In fact, so, so black beautiful. and white that our manager, Paul McGinnis, used to say, now don't look like the band too stupid to enjoy being at number one now, will you? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the decade Taste Forgot was very good to us. And I'm very, very <laughs> grateful. And Edge is indeed a kind of anti guitar hero, which is, you know, he, he, I mean, he's like the most extraordinary person, forget guitar player, genius, yeah, yeah. probably the most influential guitar player of the last 30 years. The only one who won't tell you is him. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, and it's good to get time with him um, there, uh, Sean. I always treasure it when I get time with him and he only lives a hundred yards from where I'm sitting right now. In fact, he <laughs> yeah. called me just before I came on. He was singing your praises as, as of so. Uh, Bono about that sort of opposites, um, and I'm sure that's a, that's an exaggeration. But clearly, there are some different lanes that each one of you four occupy in the in the band slash family. And and Jason opposite. loves lanes. You love lanes. I, I love a lane. I love a bucket. No, I don't actually don't do buckets. Buckets is overdone today. Or silos. Um, but uh, uh, talk to us about how you guys manage those dynamics where everyone kind of has their lane, but then there's good overlap sometimes when you guys need to collaborate. Is it something that you guys keep an eye on so that the harmony um, literally <laughs> and figuratively stays mm. intact? Yeah, well, I mean, look, I uh, f from the podcast I have overheard plugged into, enjoyed. You're obviously a band, too. It's a, it's a power trio, isn't that your thing? It's like it's Cream like the or the or Police rush. or yeah. Nirvana. Don't be Rush. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, progressive rock is actually one of the only things myself and Edge fall out over. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, being in a band, it's, it's, it's tricky. And... And then the older you get, you know, it gets even trickier because mm. when you grew up together, you're used to taking bits out of each other, you know. And it's because people know where you've come from, you know. They know, yeah. they know your memories. I think that's the best definition I heard of really knowing someone is you know their memories. You know mm. how they got them. And so <laughs> they will remind you, the band will remind you of how far away from yourself you've gotten. And at a certain point, people don't want to be reminded of that. You know, and I, I'm always amazed that we're still together because, you know, it is, you, it's rough. I mean, you're as good as the arguments you get. But at a certain point when people are doing well, the male loves to be the lord of his own domain, you know. Mm. And you can just imagine why people just say, ah, fuck this, I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, I really genuinely expect it. And, and the band breaks up all the time. It's the truth. We just don't <laughs> announce it. And then we get back together. You just never fall. You can't be <laughs> I'm fucked. I'm very grateful we do. Yeah. You can't be fucked terrible. to follow through on it. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, uh, Bono, because I, so your book, I mentioned that your book uh, has come out and, and you've been on tour supporting it. You, um, you've done, you did a date and, and now you're announcing that you're going to go on tour and do some more dates, which is so excellent. And so I read... Uh, parts of your book all the way through and actually I, I heard that um, somebody told me that that's kind of how you want people to do it kind of dip in and out so I 
40 me, short stories. It works. I've constructed it as 40 short stories as yeah. well as the, the sort of beginning, middle and end arc. Yeah. And so the chapters... That's right. And there's pictures as well, special pictures, you know, little drawings for you, for Sean. Uh, Will. Yeah. So you can yeah. keep, well, keep it Well, they're drawings. They made it much easier. It's <laughs> it would be, like, yeah, if it was yeah. a pop-up book, I, I'm all I just <laughs> stared at them. These guys, I have to explain what a book is to them. But you should know... Um, so, Bonham, but you, you talk about you guys breaking up. So you start... You guys get to know each other when you're very young. You meet through mutual friends. You're very and 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 not not only do you guys know about each other this is what i was getting to but the world knows as as what you guys have grown up together and you've grown up in a world and the world has watched you guys grow up together and it's funny you mentioned a few times in the book the home in which you grew up uh, 10 cedarwood road and mm -hmm. i got to the point uh i'm almost embarrassed to say that i i googled it um be, on google maps because i wanted to look I, and i wanted to kind of get a feel of it as as i was reading it you know your descriptions of cool. jumping around in the living room listening to the ramones um, and your dad coming home and you being at, uh, there with Allie and all these various sort of anecdotes you had that really were such a window in, into your life and all these different stages. And as I put it in Google, it says Bono Vox Childhood House. And I thought, fucking Google knows that that's where you grew up. The world knows. <laughs> you, the cool. world knows a lot of your memories. But just on the outside, and now you're sharing all of this stuff uh, from the inside, how how is the experience of writing this book and, and kind of bearing it all in a way? It's called surrender. So did it feel like that? Uh, I'm still that's still a, a, a word I'm ganging up on. I haven't quite got <laughs> to fully grasp or fathom the title of my own book. Um, but I, I yeah, you know, I really I decided to go there, and it's you know, go all the way. It's not a confessional, but it is kind of anatomical. And if you want to see the band in a rehearsal room or in the studio or the the sort of the, 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 the struggles around it with each other and with the world around us, I'm going to write about it in a little cross-section, mm -hmm. same as an activist, the same in, in other areas of my life, my family life. I just decided to go there and then I said I'll afterwards decide if I publish it. And, and then I got caught. In it, and I find myself the real value of writing a book like this is, you 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 sort of retrieve memories um, from the kind of river, um, from the, you drudge them uh, somehow out of the sewer, but you know you you find them, and and that's beautiful. Even the one about my father coming home, and I had just brought Ali Stewart, I just brought her home, and I was showing her my little box room. And I swear I wasn't in bed with her. I was <laughs> on the bed with her. And it was the one time my father came home in the middle of the day. It was Wednesday. And he's like, uh, are you in there? What are you doing home? I said, it's a half day. And he goes, what? It's half day. I said, what are you doing home? I, said, oh, I can do what I like. And then he, I heard him coming up the stairs. And I'm like, to Allie, what are we going to do? And she's looking at me. And I say, panic. She said, I'm not going to panic. I said, get under the bed. And she's like, what? I have nothing to be ashamed. Get under the bed. So she gets under the bed. And the dad comes and he goes, you know, um, are you okay? And I'm like, don't be, the, this is not going to be the day that he asks me how I am doing existentially. And, um, and then he comes in and he sits on the bed. Oh, God. So Ali has two usins on top of her, and she's going to stay that way for quite some time. But I, if I hadn't written the book, 
I wouldn't have remembered that. I wouldn't be talking to you about it now. And the right. stuff with my mother, you know, because I lost my mother at an early age. It, it, I just, I found all these, I found her. And, and then with the show uh, that you mentioned, you know, the half-man show, we call it in the band. It's not even a one-man show. Um, I'm, I'm finding that I'm spending time with my father and my mother because I kind of become my father as part of the show. And I'm starting to, I mean, I always loved him, but I'm starting to like him, which is mad. As I become him in the show, I, I take his voice and I... And I'm, I'm, he made me laugh. Um, he's made me laugh a lot. So the book has given me a lot, I will say that. So thank you for that. You, you talk, Bono, in the book again and about your relationship with your dad in, in about um, that moment when you're in the chapel and as and you, and you, you have this really kind of, after he's died, I found that to be really um, something that's, the ability to sort of—I I don't know if you—I don't know if you said you apologized, but you had a kind of almost a conversation with your dad, yeah. Yeah, it was a kind of an—it was an apology. It was a very combative relationship, not without humor, but combative. And I sort of—I was born with my fists up, so that's why you understand <laughs> this word surrender is not does not come natural to me. And. Yeah, and I, 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 after a while, I did realize maybe I had, I wasn't there for him when he was going through so much. He'd lost my mother. There was three Irish males kind of screaming at each other in the house. And one of them was a very precocious and, you know, annoying one. That would be me. <laughs> and, and I would, you know, I was probably torturing him. And, and I, after he passed away, I did have a moment where I went up, and I, I, I like going to churches actually better when there's no service on them, <laughs> and especially in a language I don't understand, because then I get to feel the things without having to parse them, you know, intellectually. And I was just, it was an empty chapel, and yeah, I, I apologized to my father, and wow. uh, my theology doesn't allow me the belief that he was listening, but I was listening to myself. Mm. And there's a romantic part of me who does believe he was listening. Mm. And and something did change in me. And I, yeah, I, I think my voice changed. I, you walk different. After you confess things, people, yeah. you know, they say this coming out of the confession box. That's for Irish Catholics. Um, but, you, you know, the Jews have your therapists. We have the priests. But yeah. people emerge from these sessions different, walk different. They will you know, so much lighter. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, my, my voice changed a bit around that time. And my father was a tenor. Jason, anything you want to get off your chest right now, go ahead. Bono's here and he's ready. <laughs> Father to Bono is here. <laughs> um, well, but uh, talk a little bit more about, about that, about that, that process of going through the memories and then writing those down in a, in a, in a, in a, in a literal, uh, accurate, um, sense, um, in comparison to the way I would imagine you've been doing it for years and years as a songwriter, um, talking about yourself, your feelings, your thoughts on things, your 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 perspective on the world, in much more of a metaphorical uh, way, in a poetic way, uh, in a rhyming way. Uh, did you did you find yourself going through the same um, uh, themes uh, and issues uh, uh, and and getting more from it uh, in that sort of catharsis um, exercise by writing in literal terms as opposed to metaphor? That's very actorly of you, and I appreciate that question. <laughs> Catharsis is exactly right word. But it's very different, you know, writing a, 
a book, my own book, what I wrote myself. You know, <laughs> it's different to writing songs. With songs, I tend to find sort of landscapes, emotional landscapes, feelings I want to I want to kind of enter into it. They're very abstract, oblique often. The, the, um, and then I'll find a concrete situation, uh, as you referred to, Will, in your very kind introduction. You know, I will, I will use a real-life situation. But songwriting for me is primarily investigation, inquiry into uh, the emotions around an issue. Um, yeah. Here with the book, and remember, it's really far-fetched already to write, you know, it's sort of beyond navel-gazing. You know, why would you foist your memoir? I call it a memoir, <laughs> uh, when it should really be a wee-moir because I'm in, a, I'm in loads of bands, actually. Mm. But there was, there, it is, I think, okay to share these thoughts because they might be useful to other people yeah. and at the very least they might explain what I've been doing with my life to my family and friends you know but it was different you know I, yeah, I love that you said you apologized to your father because my father just apologized to mm. me about leaving early and leaving us with not he didn't he didn't apologize no, no. I was so gonna say wait that. what <laughs> but I did but Bono I did um one of those ancestry shows where they trace your ancestry and oh, wow. um, all of my relatives are from Dingle and County Kerry, and we, my grandfather on my dad's side, my grandfather, my great grandma, my great 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 grandma, they have all this information, and every single one of them, I'm not exaggerating, every single one of them, arrested for uh, drunk drunken behavior, uh, beating people up. Uh, they, I visited the jail where they all went. I mean, it was in, an insane, insane ancestry of. Uh, Sean, I'm here to I'm here to absolve you of that guilt because those were <laughs> days where the British were responsible for incarceration, <laughs> and they were we called those people rebels, okay? Okay, fine. and that's why they were being put away. And and yes, these are these are slurs on their reputation. Yeah, and have sure. you asked yourself the question, Sean? Just yeah. why do my relatives speak in a Jamaican accent, or the other way around? Have you ever gone, gosh? Bob Marley sounds a lot like he's from Dingle, like my <laughs> grandparents. One, two, three, the whole thing gonna be all right. right. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that very sing song can be, I can explain it if you want, but you don't have to. I mean, this is. But, well, wait, Bono, I do want you to explain it because you do very famously, I've, all, I've watched it uh, a dozen times over the years, your introduction of Bob Marley into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And ah, it's. You did. It, Oh, oh, many times, man. I, I love it. It's one of the great um, speeches. I always find speeches like that to be my favorite kind, like induction speeches, things like that, when people really think about it. I don't know. There's something about it that kind of and, – and that is one of the great ones. And you talk about the similarities. Why is an Irishman inducting a, a, a Jamaican – and what are the similarities? And you say to the audience, kind of laugh. You say, bear with me. Yeah. yeah sort of. But then you, and one of the things you talk about, the British, <laughs> you're like, miming, yeah, miming, everything yeah. all clear now. Yeah. The green, the herb, you mentioned that a bunch of times. And you talk about when the jackboots of uh, colonialism retreat, uh, what it means to not just to f get up, but to stay standing up. There's so many great themes. In oh, there. that's great! Yeah, yeah will you remember that? It. it kept it in the in the Bob Marley Museum in Kingston, <sighs> and he's from Irish Town, of course. And and it turns out there were some indentured um, people forcefully taken to um, Irish people taken to the Caribbean. It's not the same thing as slavery is, or anything like it. But it was rough, 
And there were at the time of James I and Cromwell up to, I think, I mean, it's, 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 it's disputed, but 3,000 to 40,000 from Dingle and from Kerry. Honestly, I'm not joking this. I'm not smoking weed at this point. Um, and it is, you know, it's, it's interesting, but I think we are spiritually also quite close to that, that, that kind of the Bob Marley way of the world where he could sing of his faith, for example, when you two dropped our second album and we missed about the bit about singing songs about girls before we got onto God, like <laughs> Van Morrison. And we started off like with God. And um, our manager was going, this is not going to go well. And, um, <laughs> and Chris Blackwell, who, you know, discovered Bob Marley and founded Island Records that we were signed to, he was like, oh, no, you know, no. no this, is, this is all part of it, you know, the whole world. And, and, uh, and, and sort of Irish people and Jamaicans, I think, we're in, I like to think at our best, we, we, we have this kind of, we work with body, spirit and soul. Mm -hmm. Well, that's quite a pretentious thing for your smartless uh, <laughs> podcast. But oh, there no, you go. Our, I believe no, it. Our, cool. our listeners are nothing uh, if not pretentious. Smartless gets support from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. They create long-lasting moments that make memories and connections that will last well beyond the trip. Viator is the place to go to book memorable travel experiences. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. I remember a couple years ago, I went on vacation with Jason and a bunch of other friends to the Bahamas, and it was really, really great. I, I made tons of memories. I still talk about it with Jason. So go travel. It's fun, and it's true. They really create memories. Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. With over 300,000 bookable experiences to choose from in over 190 countries, so there's something for everyone. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Smartless listener. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Now it's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you're searching for unique recipe platters, cookware, or outdoor grill accessories for the chef in your life, they've got it all. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. You may even know a pickleballer looking to jazz up their gear. With Gift Mode, you'll be able to find a personalized gift that will make them feel special. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode now. We'd like to thank Organic Valley for their support. We've all wandered the grocery store looking for the best dairy products, right? Only to be stuck with an overwhelming number of options. With Organic Valley, 
You can feel good choosing their dairy products. Organic Valley Dairy doesn't come from big factory farms. Their products are ethically sourced from small family farms where cows spend lots of time grazing outside on organic pasture. They're headquartered in Wisconsin. Hi, Tracy. So you know they know how to make great dairy. Organic Valley sent me a lovely gift basket. I opened it. Right away, I chugged the milk. No joke. I think I was having a peanut butter sandwich that day. It was like perfect. I even had a little bite of the cottage cheese and... It was creamy and delicious. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you enjoy great-tasting organic dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. <laughs> and we will be right back. And now back to the show. Bono, I wanted to ask you about, uh, speaking of great concerts, um, one of the all-time great live records um, um, with you guys at Red Rocks, uh, yeah. you two, and there's that great beginning of uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday when you start and you say, there's been a lot of talk about this next song, maybe maybe too much talk. This song is not a rebel song. By the way, I'm not reading it. I've got it memorized since it came out. This song is Sunday Bloody Sunday the number of times I've uttered those words and not known what they meant uh, and didn't know what they meant at the time when you said them. And it was almost impromptu, or it was impromptu. If you could maybe tell us a little bit about that introduction to Sunday Bloody Sunday. Was this with these old hangovers on us, you know, <laughs> after a Saturday night? Um, I, it, this song is very powerful song. I think of it strangely as like a Marley song. Always mm. think about it a little bit like that. Um, and while Edge was working on it in Dublin, I was working on it in Jamaica, funnily enough, on my mm. honeymoon, having to try and explain to mm. my missus why our honeymoon album is going to be called War. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a powerful song. And but it, it kind of got us into some trouble. And where people thought we were being, we were taking sides in you know in a country which was almost at civil war um, on sectarian lines and you know there's only there's only we say there's there's uh, there's one and a half Catholics in you two so you've got Larry Mullen and I consider myself because my father was Catholic half Catholic but I was raised um, in the Church of Ireland and then you have the two Brits in in, in the band Adam uh, and Edge. So they, they came in from the UK. So we were like a social experiment, you two at the time. <laughs> and and we didn't want to get caught up in this Sunday Blues Sunday, rah, 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 let's raise some money for the paramilitaries to go and hurt people and, and, and worse, you know, um, extinguish lives with these guns that were bought. And, you know, in, in all across America, um, people were, you know, were tin cupping and looking for money for the freedom fighters. And it wasn't as simple as freedom fighting. And my father be, was a Catholic, but he was very suspicious of nationalism. And he used to say, he had this great line, he'd quote the playwright Singh, he'd say, what is Ireland but the land that keeps my feet from getting wet? <laughs> and I'd like, that's a great quote. When I was writing a book, I discovered he made it up. Singh never said that. And it's a great quote because it's just saying, 
just be careful about boundaries and, you know, countries are just stories you tell yourself and you want to be very careful about going to war with your next door neighbor. And so mm. I used to introduce it and it's, I'm sure it's, it's, it's annoying sound I make when I'm saying that because I suffered from a telephone voice uh, <laughs> on stage. Like really, I, I don't know, I, I, it's a funny sound. It doesn't sound like me. Edge and I went to see a film called Killing Bono. He was going to enjoy it a little more than me. <laughs> and the actor played, I said, he doesn't sound like me though, does he, Edge? And he said, no, he does. He sounds like the way you speak on stage or on the telly. And he's been doing his research on Google. That's a very good Bono, but it's your telephone voice, Bono. Uh -huh. And so when I hear, there's been a lot of talk about this song. Right. I'm like, oh, cool, you just cool. Just turn it down a little bit. But, but that's me in that's the really 80s. And, and, you know, I still feel as strong about it. I'm just... Uh, I, I, you know, I just. Uh, I, I, I hate to break it thing. to you, man, but it's it's iconic. So uh, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize yeah. for the rest of the world. Wait, but it's sidebar. Are you sitting on the floor? Yeah, he is. Yeah, man. Yeah. He keeps it real down there. All right, because there's a yeah, couch right Thanks. Yeah, bubbling, yeah. bubbling, man. We sit on the floor. <laughs> My favorite thing. We eat Listen, our children. Sean, don't start a kid. You've got a TV behind you that you've never turned on. So let's By the way, that is so it. true. <laughs> Puts I on know. the Yule log on that thing. Uh, hey, Bono, talk to, talk to us about um, your, you know, your music is always so passionate and authentic. Um, it always feels like you're, you're writing and you're singing from the heart. Uh, and that takes that takes a lot of a lot of passion to be that that genuine. Have you found that the older you've gotten, the smarter you've gotten, the more spiritual intelligence, um, informational intelligence, um, emotional intelligence, that the passion for things that don't make sense for you, like maybe when you were younger, that now do make sense for you, does the passion go? go down and make it harder to write and sing more passionately because you simply have more things figured out and that you're just, or you're easier with things or you're not pushing back against things. You're letting, you know, I, I just find that as I get older, I'm just like, ah, I'm not going to sweat the small shit as much anymore. And it's just sort of a, a maturation. By of, the way, for Jason, like passion and, and soul, it's all like a math equation. Go ahead, Bonham. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure my IQ is high enough to actually understand that question. Um, but I, my EQ can figure it out. Uh -huh. um, I, it, you know, yeah. I was it. Oh my God, I think it was Seinfeld. Was it um, who said, you know, he's no only got to six, he'd no problem, you know, just turning people down. He goes, right. nah, can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, and uh, he said when he gets to seventy, he just won't reply. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I have, yeah, I've, I've, I, I'm. Who's the guy in uh, the, the villain uh, on James Bond? Doctor No. I'm Doctor Yes, uh -huh. and <laughs> I try yeah. to solve problems for people I shouldn't be necessarily. In my activism, I do tend to help God across the road like she's a little old lady. Mm -hmm. Come on, God. Uh, I know exactly what to do here. Um, I, I am actually, and part of the process of writing the book is just actually just trying to be in the moment I'm in more and, and just and, and listening. I'm really 
There's this Franciscan friar called Richard Rohr, who I just, he's just a genius. He's just a, he's amazing. And uh, I read him. He's got a place called Centre of Action and Contemplation out there in Albuquerque. The Centre of wow. yeah, Action and Contemplation. And I like that order. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I might need to reverse it. For, for mm. the, you know, I might need to do some more contemplating before I act. <laughs> and and I'm getting to that. Yeah, I, you can't. You how many more blows have you got and to throw? And this sort of pushing your shoulder against the door. I mean, I was used to it. You know, politically, whether it was, you know, people who didn't want to see me or didn't want to meet the activists that I represent, fighting for universal access to to AIDS, drugs, or whatever, I would, I'd be ready to put my shoulder to the door, break it down, you know? But now I'm sort of thinking, maybe, maybe there's a key <laughs> in yeah, the lock. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Just, maybe just turn it yeah. and, you know, stop fighting. I think, Sean, by the way, didn't in college you say that there were a lot of blows in the Center for Action, which is what you guys called behind the uh, <laughs> behind the soda machine? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Williams? Does your father call you William? <laughs> yeah, he does. My mother right. calls me. William, be quiet. But I do want to, you know, one of the things, Bono, before I read um, your, your book, I read parts of your book and, and read all this stuff about what you've been doing and... I had seen years ago, I don't know if you're aware of it, but Frontline did a two-part um, piece, a documentary series on AID, the, the age of AIDS. And I thought at the time, I remember thinking like, oh, we've all read everything about AIDS. I mean, how much can there, more can there be? And it was absolutely illuminating. This is like 2006, I think. And a big part of it was uh, they focused a lot on, on what you did in, in terms of not just raising money. And this always struck me. And I've, I've talked about it a lot over the years to various people. Anybody will listen. Um, at a time when, especially this country, needed to really step up and help combat AIDS in Africa, you came over here and you reached across lines and you ended up in a meeting with, I know you first met with Paul O'Neill and then you went over to Africa and, and did amazing things and illuminated him. He was then Secretary of, of the Treasury. But then you also, you reached across and you appealed to Jesse Helms and in effect you said, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, and I know that you've publicly stated that you, that, you know, that AIDS is a result of an immoral or life or whatever it was that he said, and you said, but we have an obligation because this is what God would do, and you spoke to him, and, you, and, and your faith really drove you in that, and you got him to completely change his position, and, and that led to the biggest ever um, amount of money and, and really it, it really just sparked the U.S. getting involved in giving money to AIDS, which continues to this day. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, if you're an American, you're, you're an AIDS activist. Isn't that amazing? I tell some people that and they go, I don't want to be one. I say, well, you yeah. are. Yeah, that's, that's the awesome. largest um, health intervention in, in the history of medicine to fight a single wow. disease up until this uh, recent pandemic. And, incredible. And, it's, and it was, you know, Bush and people, conservatives got a... Uh, uh, got involved. It started with Nancy Pelosi, actually. She, her first speech uh, on the floor of the, of the Congress as, as, a, uh, as she arrived to the Capitol was about AIDS. So many other people worked for this. And some of the better meetings I had were actually with, you know, staffers and policy wonks. And, you know, we used to meet with, you know, on Friday nights, I'd find out which pubs they were going to. And I would, <laughs> you know, I'd meet the, the people. I'd meet, you know, that's the way to do it. It's not all principled or principled as it was, you know. Yeah. 
But then, you know, yeah, Jesse had this thing and, and he, Jesse Helms, old cold warrior, but he repented on the steps of the Senate for the way he talked about HIV AIDS. Wow. And mm-hmm. uh, he actually, and I used, of course, the, the scriptures, which, which I, you know, as a, as a writer, you know, whether it's Bob Dylan, whether it's Nick Cave, whether it's, you know, it's all my, my Leonard Cohen, you know, my favorite writers, all versed in the scriptures. And, you know, and I went after him because I, I, my attitude was so, so who would Jesus be hanging out with here, you know? And, and what's, you know, where's the judgmental part of Jesus? Jesus didn't speak in judgment about anybody. In fact, right. the only thing uh, Jesus spoke in judgment about was the way we treat the poor. Mm-hmm. And, and he was, you know, stopped in his tracks. And, and I said, that's, you know, Jesus wasn't maybe, people think that Jesus is like focused on your pants. <laughs> What's going on in your pants? You know, what, I mean, what vision of God right. do we have? <laughs> right, right, And it's, right. it's like, it's, it's, it's like it, we put ourself or, you know, our, you know, bad relative in the place of God. Mm-hmm. And of course, God is huge and gigantic love. And and it's just so obvious. You don't even have to win the argument. Also, also known as common sense, God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah I like to think so. And anyway, these, these these drugs were transformative, and I was just lucky to be part of it. And reaching out though across the aisle that was that's a hard thing to do in America today. It's getting no, harder think, and harder. <laughs> it's, it's gotten harder. You would think that since then it would be, and 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 again, if anything, a lot of sort of you know very right wing Christianity has been you know weaponized. Uh, yep. what, what they're saying, yep. uh, in in a way that doesn't seem that's sort of incongruous with the actual notion of Christianity. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. From your perspective over there, um, with fresh eyes of not being uh, immersed in America, does does it seem like there might be one obvious thing that you might recommend to us um, to focus on that that would bring both sides together? Some or sort can of you come back? Can you come back over and save yeah. us? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What what yeah. would you uh, as you you know you you put the the commonality of of, of faith with uh, with Jesse Helms and you? What would be the the, the common thing mm. that might might bring both sides together nowadays over here, I wonder. America doesn't exist yet. That's what I'm, that's, that's, a, that's what I'm pitching at the moment. I, wow. To conservatives and liberals, I say, America's the greatest idea the world has ever had, but it doesn't exist yet. Yeah. yeah. And for certain communities, it's not there. And the idea that you can write it, that you can create it now, people listening and the podcast thinking, well, what is America then? I, 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 that is, it's on its way, and and that's the that's the most encouraging I could be. I, I agree about is that. Is it an embracing of a coexistence, sir, Sean? Is it? Do you think is the general sort of American idea? I wonder, just from from the, your international perspective, um, is it is it just a to the extent that you are comfortable to coexist with other? Is that what the promise is? Yeah. That's yeah. exact. That's that's a really good definition of it. And America is. Well, he Jason just saw a bumper sticker. Yeah, it's, it's a coexist. Yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> but you know, it's it's just. I, and I, I mean, I love as much as this book I've written is a is a love letter to, you know, my missus to Ali. It's also a love letter to America. And and I, you know, came here. I mean, I I I went to. City Lights, I don't know if you've been to that bookstore and in San Francisco, Ferlinghetti, uh, mm-hmm. Lawrence Ferlinghetti set it up. And I, I, 
I, I, f- I fell in love with America reading Ginsburg and Kerouac mm. and the plays of Sam Shepard and Paddy Smith. I was like, wow. I, I was sort of, I didn't know I'd be getting to write about this America that I was reading about. But I, I even then just sensed this is, this is a mythological place as well as a physical landscape. Mm. Mm. And, 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 I, and I, you know, there was two Americas, really. And, and I wanted to write about both. Well, you did. You you wrote so much about. It. I mean, Joshua Tree was really mm. felt like you were f- flexing your American muscle. You were there. You guys were, you were absorbing and kind of reflecting back to us. Uh, you know, well, I was Canadian, but uh, close enough. You were sort of reflecting back to us what you were seeing, and and you guys were kind of, you were out there at Joshua Tree, and you were had the hats, and you had the thing, and you were in the streets, and you were doing the concert <laughs> yes, on the did. roof. You right? You yeah. did all that stuff yeah. in this kind of great way. And you, I don't know. There was all there was all, uh, there was there was like a real absorption of American culture. And then then you go on the pop what, tour. What record was, was it? Yep. Yeah. What record did you assume the character of the fly? Uh, Acting baby was the cutting down of the Joshua tree. So cutting down of the Joshua tree. We went to Berlin to record that. Yeah, which is a great record. And I always wondered. There, there always felt like when you were kind of playing the persona of the rock star, it was very mm. sort of Bowie-esque in a lot of ways, but like, did you, it was almost like, I thought, and I didn't, I had never met you at, the, at that point, but I, would all, I often thought like, I wonder if it was almost like a rejection of, because you had, you guys were so famous and you were so big, and it was almost like your way of dealing with fame in that way that it almost, who you, Bono, who was part of the world, was this other entity that belonged to the world, and you were kind of stepping back and watching him as well? Was was there any truth to that? Yeah, but I mean, yes, it was kind of um, it was some kind of satire of, yeah. of fame and the rock star. But I'll be honest with you, you know what I mean? This is quite attractive. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> wow, I can get, I can. I can say shit I would never say. <laughs> I can be this larger-than-life character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was dressed head to toe in this kind of, you know, Elvis 68 yeah. special meets Lou Reed, meets Van, you know, not Jim Morrison, the other Morrison. Yeah. And I, I'm like, wow. And Edge said, wow, you know, those plastic pants are starting to fit you a little too well there, dude. And, um, yeah. and you know, I mean, I really, we, and then the 90s was so great to us um, because it, um, it unlocked us from being these, uh, been just a collection of sounds and ideas. And, and I also needed just to chill out because, you know, just put the fist down for a while. Mm. And that's, you know, so you, Edge and myself have a place in the south of France for the last 30 years. That's where we met you, uh, Will, I think, first. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I needed to, <laughs> I certainly needed to chill out. And I got quite good at it, um, it turns out. <laughs> and then... I felt, in a way, you know, people say, you know, oh, yeah, then um, you went back to saving the world. The way I see it is I I, I was saving my own ass Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be useful again. I wanted to be useful to, these are are corny words, but it's service. You know, I wanted, 
I, I needed to meet, by the end of the 90s, I'd done enough chilling. <laughs> so I think I needed to be, I needed to, to, to get back to, to being useful. And that's when we did the Drop the Debt campaign and Red and, mm-hmm. and then won. Mm-hmm. And, but so it really did, it, it brought me on this other journey that I needed to, toward adulthood, but I haven't quite got there. But, uh, but, but it, it was a lot. Adolescence was- is fun. But it was a big undertaking, and I know that you you brought in. That's when you brought in um, our mutual friend, the great Tom Freston, um, who we've mentioned oh, on the yeah. podcast before. The most interesting man in the world. Uh, uh, the best life of anyone in the world, or anyone we know. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm, Boy, if I was Tom Freston and Bono called my life the best life in the world, he is, I'd feel pretty good. Congratulations, Tom. He is. Yeah. Bono, you're <laughs> you right. You got to get him a, on your podcast. He's, yeah. he's, he's he is much a pirate company than can't I can't book him. Can't make uh, a deal. Yeah. Can can I ask a question I've always wondered, which is wh- where did where did your name come from? Because I I don't know your real name. I've only known you as Bono. Yeah, my my oldest friend Gogi is a really extraordinary abstract painter of some renown around the world now. But it was street gang, and um, I've known him since I was three. And he gave me the name Bono, and I can assure you, uh, he was not a Latin scholar. So Bonavox <laughs> uh, was the name of a hearing aid factory. It was not, it did, he did not know it meant strong voice. There you oh, go. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know well, if, if, you, if you wanted to be uh, of service in the 90s, um, you, you've got to see the, your, your, the clear need for that service uh, 30 years later. Um, are, are you going to uh, take a walk through our country again, soon and and give us some some helpful uh talks and uh and and guidance and perspective i don't i don't think i mean it's i'm amazed that i've got away with it to be honest with you this far <laughs> irish <laughs> irish rock star you know <laughs> quoting the declaration of independence like it's the liner notes to his favorite album <laughs> following america into the bathroom hey it says this here why are you doing that and i'm like an annoying fan of america and <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you let me in to your life, given me incredible life. But I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot to learn in this landscape uh, for me. And I've not much, much to teach other than one simple thing, which is, uh, goes back to this uh, Franciscan friar. Um, he says, listen, deep listening. That's what America needs to do. And not listening to the people that we don't agree with. Maybe even listening to people we don't like. Uh-huh. And, and, and people who annoy us. Yeah. And if you can do that in your band, yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. then the, rest is, the rest will be easy. I really, truly... I, do I, I truly listen to do... people who annoy us? Sean, go ahead, say something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, truly do listen, I truly do listen to all new, as many news networks as I can to get all perspectives, even if I don't agree with them. To your point... Mm. We'll be right back. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Smartlist is sponsored by Allstate. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. The more safely you drive, the less you'll pay. I feel like I'm a safe driver. 
I am constantly, constantly aware of people to the left, to the right, to the front, and to the back of me. I'm always checking my mirrors. I pay attention to the road rules. Uh, I, I think I feel like I'm a really good, smart, safe, careful driver, like many of you. So I believe you shouldn't be paying the same auto insurance rate as those other drivers on the road that may be not as safe as you feel you are. Safe drivers like us should be saving money based on our everyday safe driving. So why would you want to pay a rate based on anyone else? Save with DriveWise in the Allstate app and only pay a rate based on you. It's just another way to save when you're in good hands with Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions, rates vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for rating and your rate could increase with high-risk driving. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash smartless to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash smartless. Terms and conditions apply. All right, back to the show. Speaking of listening, uh, The Edge told me that you guys are going to go on tour in Vegas and he showed me the renderings of this new theater or something. It's going to be unbelievable. I mean... It's a brand new venue, right? That they're building just for you, or is it, are you the first? You, you are a news talk, network but... now because um, that's breaking news, and um, <laughs> we, and we it's can't not, talk about it's, it. We haven't signed off on it, but if if okay. we do, um, if we do sign off on this, um, I will say that the if we can pull off what we're talking about. It's not it's, like anything we've ever done before. It's not like it's I not like anything it. Las Vegas has ever I seen. I know. Before. It's an, have it's you seen some of the plans? Yes. It's he showed me all the. It's incredible. Wait, can we? If can we, we pull, if this happens, it will be really extraordinary. It'll and, I, I, and again, I don't want to. I shouldn't be. Um, Whatever it is, it sounds very exciting. Blame it on Edge. Just <laughs> say he showed. He, he, it's not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, he just showed me from my eyes only. Yeah, but, but it's it was, it's incredible. It's great. No, um, I, you know, there's a lot. I, I'm interested in Las Vegas and for all kinds of reasons. And um, you kind of always have been, right? Yeah, like I used to say, even going back to the fly and. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, we used to say, call it Las Vegas uh, trash and, and Berlinish decadence. <laughs> and uh, I'm interested in the concept of faith versus look. I'm interested in, there's a great architectural manual called Learning from Las Vegas about how don't knock it or laugh at it. This, this sort of fabulous architecture is not overtly male. It's not overt, it's playful. And these cities that we live in are very male and big, you know, straight lines. We've lost curves. We've lost, and this, this, you know, Las Vegas in some ways looks like it's been designed by children. And I think that might be a good thing sometimes. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, interesting. That's a good point. 
Um, another sidebar, I'm obsessed with your daughter in one of my favorite shows in the world called Bad Sisters. She's good. She's, She's incredible. Really and the good. show is amazing. And you must feel so proud of her. I mean... Yeah. I can't stop talking about the show. It's one of the No, she's ever got ever a lot of she's very very funny and Yeah. She is a comedian and she she can do what he wants but she was playing these very sort of serious auteur chosen sort of muse parts and then when she got this she got to be more like herself, uh, you know, a killer. <laughs> and, yeah. um, exactly. And then she, and she's got a lot of discipline too. So. You strike me as somebody who would make a very very good actor. Um, uh, and, and I feel like I may have seen you act in something. Don't insult the guy. Twice, I mean, what are you doing? No, no, no. But I, you know, look, it's beneath him. Sting <laughs> is fantastic at it. Bowie was Bowie fantastic was, yeah. at it. Um, uh, have you ever, do you have a yearning for that at all? Cause I'd love um, to see it. I bet it would be fantastic. Not really. I've I played myself in a film once. It was really hard. And, um, and I, I, I don't know when I was younger. Yes. Now I'm. I don't know, and I've, I'm starting to realize that the camera loves people who don't necessarily love the camera. I've spotted that, and I'd be more of a theater actor, you know. And mm. <laughs> um, I love being in the theater, and because that's where I get to break down the fourth wall. You can, I want to be yeah. in a theater where the actor could just feels like he can walk off the stage, just right. get into my life, get into my mind, can follow me home, mug me on the way home, <laughs> you know, you make out whatever, you know. It's it's that's the kind of thing I like, and it's harder to get off. It's harder to get off the silver screen, isn't it? And I yeah. would just, I think I look even more preposterous. You know, when you two went on Top of the Pops, our very first televised appearance on this legendary UK. Um, uh, you know, showed the week's charts for music. We went on and our, our, our song went down the charts immediately because <laughs> we looked so preposterous. And I particularly, I looked like a sort of, I looked like somebody's giving me an electric shock. And I'm doing the, I'm doing the sort of mad movements you do in a mirror, yeah. you know, and... <laughs> And I think I'm seeing myself in a monitor or something, and so, so I look cross-eyed as well. <laughs> and and I don't think we've it's never we've got an amazing audience in the UK, but you know I think there's some people I meet in pub and go, yeah, you were crap then. I saw you on top of the pops. <laughs> you were crap. And I'm like, how old were you? I saw you on top of the pops, mate. You were crap. And I'm like, crap. That was our that was our second album. It was a song called Fire. Is that right? Yeah, it was crap. <laughs> and and I go, you know, that was his, we got better. I'm just saying, we got better. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I just saw that once. That's it's so. By the way, that's so Irish and so Canadian too. I have so many people I knew who I grew up with, and I go back and I go, saw that thing you did last year. wasn't very good, was it? And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for. <laughs> I thought Canadians were much more polite. No, they're not. No, no, no. They're really, they're really passive aggressive. To fellow Canadians, uh, they, they yeah. show the real, the real devil behind uh, the curtain. I mean, right? we're not like Scandinavia. Scandinavia. If you're, you've been to Sweden a million times, I'm sure, and you go to Scandinavia, they go, they go, oh, look at you. You look quite fat. And you're like, man, what are you, nice to see you too. I'm just saying it, you much fatter than last time I saw you. <laughs> no, I got it, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 one more thing before you, I do want to mention, I know you mentioned uh, your daughter, your son also. How, what's that experience been like? Your son Elijah, he's got the band Inhaler who are doing really yeah. well. 
especially across Europe and the UK, they debuted at number one, I think. Didn't wow. they? Yeah, their album went in at number one. That's um, great. Which That's means amazing. they must have sold, you know, a thousand copies <laughs> the way the things are going yeah. now. Aren't you um, so happy to have him off the payroll, just at least? <laughs> I think I'm going to be on his payroll. It's very annoying. It's very easy for It's too easy for him. First of all, he looks like Elvis, and he's like, you know, he's like, oh. He's, he's in a high school band. They're ridiculously talented. And I'm saying, you know, the early gigs, I would say, you know, he, don't you, you know, he, you know, are you, are you, there's some YouTube fans turning up. And he goes, oh, we don't mind the, uh, the hairy ones. And then the other guy in the band goes, they're not even hairy now, they're bold. <laughs> and, I, and I go, is this a problem for you? He says, Dad, they, they buy the merch. Uh-huh. Uh, and now, of course, they're selling out everywhere, and you know, and they're a very sophisticated band, and and he's effortless in so many ways. As I didn't know he had those pipes, I knew he could play guitar. Mm-hmm. He's got a great, he's got a great voice, and there are so many moments. Of course, he's your son, where he sounds like sounds like you. I, I wonder, like. What is Allie? so your wife Allie, who's just amazing, and and you dedicate your book to her, and um, I've had the good fortune of meeting her a number of times. And um, what is it like for her? Do you, I, I wondered like is there part of her when your son started, you know, playing music, where she's like, great, now you've turned our son into a rock star as well. Like, you know what I mean? It was like eerie a, for her, you know, because yeah. she was going to clubs sometimes the same clubs. And wow. when we were playing, and there'd be 10 or 20 people there. And she's seeing her son. And, and, and wow. yeah, I think that it, it, was, it was quite a thing. And, you know, she was like, you know, can you get him off the video games? He's on the video games all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember sidling up to him. He was like, I don't know, 14 or 15. I'm going, he's, he's, I don't know what it was, World of Warcraft or something. He's just looking and he's shooting things out of the sky, whatever they do. And, uh, and I'm saying, how's it going? Goes, yeah, good. How's that's good? Yeah, you were getting really good at that. He goes, oh, no, thanks. I said you should practice that a bit more. He goes, what? I said if you if you really work on this, like you could get like you could be one of the best ever World of Warcraft Smart. like ever. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. When you're like 21, that's really going. You're really going to make a big impact on on on, on women with that. And he stopped. <laughs> and he just looked at me. He goes, oh yeah, right. And I said, no, but you're an amazing guitar player. Just don't forget that. You really. That's the only advice I gave him. Right. And, God, that's and good. And he's never even thought about any other advice I've tried to give him. That's so good. But I'll bet. I'll bet you gave. I bet you actually gave some very very good. Uh, also. Crafty um, uh, parenting, parental guidance there. Um, you and your wife, with him and your daughter, when they thought about doing something that might be kind of public facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, growing up as, you know, your children. I'm sure there was there were a, a, there was a moment at least uh, where they were reluctant to you know see if they could measure up. And I'll bet you and your wife uh, gave some real good uh, daddy mommy stuff to encourage them. Irish people. Irish people were good to them, and because they were probably bored with their father, (laughs) they really didn't bother these. And then we went to a local school. All our kids went to the local school and free school and, you know, Mm -hmm. progressive school and just uh, talk school project was called, and they were treated and mistreated like everybody else by by their mates. And, And they just grew up. It wasn't what would be harder for you because I think... 
fame might mean something different in America. I, I, I think it's a little harder to endure, whereas we always escape back to, to Dublin, to Ireland. And sometimes I forget after, you know, say after lockdown, I remember going out and going, oh, shit, I'm famous again. And I have to put on that. I have to put on that stupid voice. I have to put on the the the, the funny walk. And um, no, I, I, it, it, the advice of their friends was as important as ours. And and I don't think he's thought much about his father's fame at all. I think he's just he's just very focused on what he's doing with his oh, band. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, you guys, you guys have certainly cultivated a. <clears throat> Uh, like you said, you, your kids all go to the lo went to the local school, and and I know that you know in the summertime you and Ed spend a lot of time and together, and your family's kind of mm. all everybody together, and there's a real sense of that kind of community and family. Yeah, community's the right word. Yeah, and and it's it's really lovely, and and um, and then there's always all kinds of artists and people coming in and out, but it's never there's never any pretension. It's kind of like everything's very. Uh, I don't know, very, very real and in a way that's not what you think it would be. It's not this kind of like, you know, up there. It's it's very grounded and uh, you see it in your kids and your family. So you can hear it in the music too. And you, Yeah, of yeah. course. It's amazing. Well, it's really, really generous thing to say because uh, it's the most important thing to us. And mm. it's not we didn't screw up our kids, but no. we can still try. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, yeah. Um, but thank yeah, you. Please and, keep it going. And your band is a is a great band, and you, you started <laughs> in lockdown for the right reasons, and we love to listen to you. And there's been some great ones. Will you talking about <laughs> breaking back into your old house when you have sellers remorse on the David Remnant episode? That had me laughing into my cornflakes. <laughs> I really did really choke on my cornflakes. And and <laughs> that's, that's all of you have have kept us um, sane. In insane wow. time, so thank Very you. Very nice of you. Well, thank you. Thank you for your contributions to the world. Yeah, thank yeah, you, and your yeah. contribution to Smartless. Thank you for giving us an hour of your time. It's yeah. really, really an honor. It's an honor to meet you. Yeah, for sure. Blessings to you three. Bye bye, and to your team. All the yeah. best. Bye, Bono. Good bye, luck. Bono. See you. Thank See you. you. Thank bye bye. Yes. Of course, Bono slammed it. Of course, yeah. Bono slams a laptop. Slammed his laptop. I mean, I mean he's not going <laughs> to miss a move like that. Did it? Did it feel like we went into a like a in, into like a different area of the space time? Like, did we just like go find a little pocket of time? Yeah, and you could have just sat there and listened to him. And well, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did. You two uh, clearly have done that before with him. I mean, like, it's like a fucking Conan party. Fucking Sean's eating with Edge. You're hanging out with Bono. Like, where where am I? <laughs> You know what I'm You're, doing? I'm like down at Witsit hitting balls, you know? <laughs> well, maybe stop playing so much fucking golf and get out into the world, man. There's yeah. a whole world. I had the good fortune of spending some time with those guys um, down in the south of France. I was working nearby, and they were very generous and, and invited me over a bunch. Um, and uh, Eli so and I went nice. over a bunch of times. Yeah, it was amazing. And How nice. Gosh. How nice is Edge, by the way? Edge did one the of the greatest. kindest, most generous thing ever. They had this huge party and all these people around, and he knows that that I didn't drink. It's no secret that I've uh, uh, get, been in and out with, uh, uh, you know, booze over the years and, and uh, that I don't drink. And, and, um, and you know, everybody's having a good time. And he went, I said, you know, somebody offered me a drink. I said, no, 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 I, I don't. And he came back, he went into the kitchen himself and comes back out with a tray with like four ice cold bottles of San Pellegrino sparkling water. 
mm-hmm. and a glass and stuff. He says, here, I got this for you and blah, blah, blah. And if you need it. And a whiskey chaser. And some Coke. Coke is still on the table and for it, you, right? Yeah, and oh, a little huge, bit of weed. Oh, what we call fat rails. Fat rails. <laughs> fat yeah. rails. Yeah. Good for you. Fat rails. Yeah. And, a, and a bag of shrooms. And yeah. he just... <laughs> Yeah, but nice guy. Four but days I, no later, booze. But you know Four. when he when you were introducing him, but it was him, very I, I was, generous. But yeah. it, they're both like that. Yeah, yeah they're both like they when you like were introducing him. him. I really did get nervous. I was like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be like, who is this? And of course, it was huge. It was Bono, and and the first thing I thought of was like, how many bands? It's so rare now that the world creates bands that have such longevity, like U two, or you know, it's like you think of the Rolling oh, Stones you. or U two, oh, like U two. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sean, did you? It's uh, weird that the why would they? Why do you think that they would name the band uh, uh, after a, a bomber plane? Why do? Why? What do you? Would did you ever ask Edge that? That U two was a bomber? No. Yeah, yeah, the U two bomber plane. That's not why they named it. Is that why they named it? That's not. No, true. it's not. It means you too, me, him, and you too. You know, like. Is it really? I, I thought I was going to get him um, on that. Wait, well. no, but you know what I mean. Oh yeah. You, you know what I mean, though. But like, like how isn't that wild that we live like now? They don't make them like they used to. Like, there's no, no, no. no. He's a proper rock star from a proper yeah, super it's group. Just wild. It's that wild. doesn't exist. And the other, I have another memory. One time, uh, not, we were out here in Long Island having lunch, and um, I was Chappy was here. And uh, Chappie, we, Chappie. we, I know Chappie gets another mention. He's actually showing up today. I'm really excited to see him. Uh-huh. And we come back to the table. Yeah, Chappie and Conan are coming over. <laughs> and he comes. <laughs> we come back to the table. The we edge. went out to have a little visit with the uh, the, the men from um, from RJR Reynolds. And uh, we come back to the table. And as I'm approaching the table, this I'm not kidding. Uh, the painter uh, who's uh, Julian Schnabel is sitting at the table talking oh, to Bono. I know. It's a crazy name drop. And as I'm walking back, Bono says to me, hey, Will, we're just having a conversation. What do you think about the idea of, like, being able to put value on art and and actually paying money for art and, and cha- you know, value of art? And <laughs> I go, I'm not, Bono, I'm not answering that. You think that I want this to turn into the the story of the time I got punched in the face by Julian Schnabel? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, thanks. <laughs> said, that guy's no. a hell of a movie director, too. No Jesus. kidding. Yeah. Now, were you guys talking about at the beginning, is he doing some sort of tour with the book where he's going to be alone on stage kind of playing acoustic, kind of like a Springsteen type of show? Thank you. So from his book, Surrender, uh, 40 Songs, One Story, mm-hmm. um, he is he did a show at the Beacon and now starting in April of, uh, actually starting April 16th, he's going to be doing his show where he goes and he talks on stage and he does some songs from U2. Um and he tells stories, excerpts from his books, and then he t- and tells stories and interacts with the audience. He did it um, this fall, t- and you know people went crazy for it. And so he's gonna he's decided to come back and he's gonna do more shows there. And it's really exciting. I mean, more shows at the Beacon, or is he gonna go around the, the Beacon country? and then around? The, yeah, it, it's just been like he, Man, the reviews of that. it are amazing. Yeah, people say it's just seconds. incredible. I love um, it. And like he said, he's sort of sanctioned by the, the the band because he's up there himself doing it. And Edge was at his uh, at that show that he did at the Beacon. Yeah. And I don't know if Adam and Larry were, but uh, anyway, pretty cool stuff. Man, I'd like to yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, I, again, I I'm so in. You know, it's it's funny. Like I I really I've always been a fan of the band and their music and all those guys. The guys I just mentioned, Larry and Adam and and Edge and Bono collectively. You too, just such a fan. And they for all of us, their music has played different parts of our lives over the years. Mm-hmm. 
But it was, I think the thing I'm the most in awe about is his activism and the what he's done to actually use that to not just reflect it in the songs and the content, deliver mm-hmm. powerful message in his songs, but to actually go out and do it in the way that I he know. has. Get off his butt and do it. Yeah. Dude, right after after Band-Aid, he went to Africa. He and Ali went to Africa and worked in Africa. And, and he's just all the stuff that he's done over the years. I mean, just countless stories of shit that he's done that people don't even know about yeah, in between writing and touring and like yeah that stuff it's like yeah kind of amazing it's pretty yeah. sick and then i think about you know jason at the fucking yeah. range doing? Yeah. working on his yeah. seven iron and just right. thinking like why am i why That's am i finishing yeah, why, why am i finishing, finishing here, here giving, in the face is not square on i'm not impact. even thinking about helping cleaning up the balls afterwards you no know? <laughs> it's like you know i'm just like uh, and he's out there traveling to Africa, feeding people, you know? You don't even pick You're up feeding. your own fucking balls. I don't even pick up balls. my own balls. In fact, I'm annoyed that I have to look at all those fucking loose balls out yeah. there in the range. I want a clean range to hit, too. You're feeding the pond the balls. Fuck me. Oh, I'd love for him to write a song about that. Well, you can write a song. It's called Jamie, Ready. Bono's thinking about, like, how can I, what can I do next to save the world? And Sean's thinking, like, how big is the biggest bag of Skittles? Like, do they make a 10-pounder? <laughs> Because <laughs> like, I, I could really hit those. So when he comes back out to do a show in April, do you think you, you can dust off this uh, this friendship, Willie, and give him a text? Because I don't want to have to buy, buy the tickets. The tickets. Bye. 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 Smart. Smartless is 100% organic and artisanally handcrafted by Rob Armjarf, Bennett Barbaco, and Michael Granteri. Smartless. If you like Smartless, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Academy is a new scripted podcast that follows Ava Richards, played by HBO's Industries' Myhala Herald, a brilliant scholarship student who has to quickly adapt to her newfound eat-or-be-eaten world. Ava's ambitions take hold and her small-town values break in hopes of becoming the first scholarship student to make the list. Bishop Gray's all-coveted academic top 10, curated by the headmaster himself. But after realizing she has no chance at the list on her own, she reluctantly accepts an invitation to a secret underground society that pulls the strings on campus life and academic success. If she bends to their will, she'll have everything she's ever dreamed of. But at what cost? Academy takes you into the world of a cutthroat private school where power, money, and sex collide in a game of life and death. Follow Academy on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Academy early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.